Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Okay, this is a bit different. <laughs> Here we all are. Not. <laughs> and it's Mother's Day. Yay! Shall we have a cheer for the mums? Woo-woo! <laughs> We're in our Live to Love series, and uh, I just want to recognise, actually, first of all, that family comes in many different shapes nowadays, and there are different types of mum, and it might actually be a man that we're honouring today, because if it's a single parent family, and it's a dad that's taking on both roles, well, hey, we're honouring you today as well. And it might be a foster carer or something like that. So we're paying honour to all of those people who fall under that heading. And I also actually, I want to recognise that this is a day that some people find quite tricky. And um, for all manner of different reasons. I lost my mum in 2010. And so this day is kind of bittersweet. And I think, I just want to say that I feel your heart. So, but as well, I want to say don't switch off because this is a message for everyone. So if you think Mother's Day doesn't apply to me, haha, hold on. <clears throat> so Mother's Day, it's, it's written in the Bible, isn't it? Because the sixth commandment says, thou shalt honour thy mother on the fourth Sunday in Lent, doesn't it? Yeah? No? Okay, we'll deal with that in a bit then. So if I'd had a congregation of people, this would have been at this point a question, what do mums do for us? So quick chance to brainstorm at home. What do mums do for us? You've got lots of suggestions in your head. <clears throat> there are no right answers, by the way. I'm not looking for a little tick list. I had some ideas too. <clears throat> Can you see that there are just one or two ideas on there? I've given them some, you know, particular uh, fancy titles like spiritual advisor and things. There are some very important jobs that mums do in the day-to-day. And if you just scan over the list, I can hear all the mums around the region going, yeah, absolutely. And then I do some more different things after breakfast. However, I think everyone can agree that they wouldn't do any of this without one vital ingredient, which is love. Because even a state-run home could do quite a lot of those things. But there's something that transforms that, those jobs into a relationship and that's love. It's her role, <clears throat> and it's in her DNA. And even Jesus, you know, gave us a really good picture of motherly love. Matthew 23, 37, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, <clears throat> the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to, sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen 
gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. This is a terrific picture of motherhood. We used to keep chickens, <laughs> and I can tell you, a hen sitting on top of either a clutch of eggs or a brood of little chicks is quite something, because the things underneath her are completely enveloped. Don't think of them as being hovering wings. The hen is crouched down right on top of the creatures or the objects underneath her. She shuffles around to make sure that everyone is underneath where it needs to be and nothing is left out. And each hen has a remarkable capacity for sort of flattening herself out to make sure that all the things that need to be under there are under there and they're hidden and enveloped and covered. It's a very, very intimate relationship between the hen and the things underneath her, the eggs or the chicks. And it's warm. Man, it's warm. It's just the right environment to foster growth and development and life. And it's jolly protective. If, you ever, if we ever had to go in that nesting box with that hen in there, did you know that chickens can growl at you? And they jolly well do, and it's quite scary. And if you go near her, that beak is so sharp. It's that huge sense of protection of the creatures underneath her. It's a wonderful picture. But unfortunately, I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. We're actually not here to celebrate Mother's Day. In the um, handout notes that come out with the sermon, it gives you a bit more information about this. Mother's Day is actually an American invention that started in around about 1908. And it's nothing actually to do with the church, really. The actual church festival in the church calendar is called Mothering Sunday. And this is really good news. Two reasons. One, because on Mothering Sunday, if you've promised to give up something for Lent, you're allowed to relax your vows on Mothering Sunday. Woohoo for the people who've given up chocolate. The second good news is that now it's a day that includes everybody. Because Mothering Sunday is all about not celebrating a specific aspect of our society, but it's about celebrating our church as our spiritual mother, as our spiritual home. And let's get this right. It's not about celebrating the buildings and the establishment. It's about the people, the kingdom of God, the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities. So we're talking about the church today, and suddenly everyone is included. No one need feel excluded, because we are the church. Do you know, it struck me with new strength recently, and I'm not sure I've ever realised it before, that when Jesus said to Peter, in that lovely little pun on his name, Peter, that means the rock. On this rock, I will build my church. They must have had a chuckle about that, I think. That he was introducing a concept that was really new and 
unusual and strange, the building of a church. Because religion at the time had very, a very, very different shape and different expectations. You, were, you could be, you may be a Jew, as Jesus was, and most of his followers at the time, in which case you were born into it. You could choose to follow all the rules and regulations or not, but it didn't stop you being a Jew. Either way, you would have been circumcised if you were a boy at eight days old. That sort of set you apart from other people. You were a member of Abraham's family. That was it. You were in because of the family you were born into. The Greeks were fantastic at debating about religion and really rubbish about believing in stuff. You could do it, you could not do it. Follow it, don't follow it, whatever. They had all these different gods, different temples set up for different purposes, different functions, do this, believe that, go your own way. I think that echoes very much with how life is at the moment, actually. The Romans had all these different gods for different purposes, but they were terribly flawed gods. They were horribly immoral, and they were unpredictable, and they were remote, and they were uncaring, and they were fickle. But here was a new idea, Jesus' church, and you belonged to because you wanted to follow Jesus. It was a choice an assembly of like-minded but very diverse people. People coming from everywhere with no preconditions at all. Everyone is welcome. Founded on love. Following the personal example of Jesus, the mother hen, remember? So we are enveloped in his love, in intimate relationship in exactly the right environment to help us grow and with ultimate protection. Do you remember we've been speaking Psalm 91 over ourselves in all this coronavirus issue that's happening at the minute? Did you notice in verse 4 it talks about he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. I wonder if Jesus was thinking of that verse himself when he was gathering his children together under his wings. I, don't, I think we need to be a bit more precise, though, in our language, in our use of the word love here. Because I don't think it's just any old type of love. Mums, if you've got a hungry child... It's no good saying to you, to, to the child, oh, bless you. Do you know, I love you so much. I'm not actually doing anything about it. There needs to be a love that then responds to the situation, that is compelled to act, that needs to do something in the face of need. And actually, that's the summary of God sending his son in the first place, isn't it? It's a response to our desperate need. So I think we've got a better word that we can use that's used hundreds of times in scripture 
and that's the word compassion. Compassion is a sense of having mercy or pity towards something or someone. It might sometimes be a love despite something, despite somebody's actions, you love them anyway. But often it leads to an action. The Bible says in hundreds of places, you had compassion and so something happened. And I've, in the notes, I've put a whole load of references there for your homework. So you can look them up. And actually, what I did was I used the um, Version Bible app. And there's a search facility in that. It's marvellous. So if you just search in that, put in the word compassion, and up comes hundreds of references through the Bible of the use of the word compassion. And it's fascinating about bringing how God feels towards us and enabling restoration, enabling blessing restoration of relationship. So let's focus on a couple that, would that uh, we can see Jesus using compassion. For example, Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It's an, a love that requires an action, often leads to an action. I was trying to do a clever thing of making a word like compaction, and then I realized that compaction is something completely different and it wasn't going to work. <laughs> compassion leads to action. Mark 6, 34, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them. And this one, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Now, for some reason, this is always included in a search for compassion, even though it doesn't use the word. And, I th and there must be some clever Greek reason behind it, which I don't know. Or maybe it's just a demonstration of Jesus' compassion to us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus' lovely compassion towards us. How we need that just at the minute. Are you feeling heavy laden? Is it the media and the worry and the way life is suddenly different? We have a splendid promise there from the mother hen who's looking to cuddle you under his wings in that warm environment. So we are supposed to aim to be more like Jesus every day. I'm just going to enjoy my tea, like we've been encouraged to do. We are the body of Christ, and so I want to look at three main focuses for compassion in his church today. So first of all, compassion towards one another. By the very nature of Christ's church, it's open to everyone. And we all come with a backstory. But here it is in our church culture statement. This is part of what we believe, what we stand for as a whole church, that whatever your story, you're welcome here. Whatever your story, you're welcome here. If you, I know I don't wish to cause offence, but if you think about it, 
What a varied congregation we are. What a weird mix of people that you would never come across all bunched together in any other environment. And we very much echo Jesus' choice of disciples. Have you ever thought about it? In his little group, amongst others, he had Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. A zealot was a religious fundamentalist. Nowadays we'd call him a terrorist. He would have spent his time fighting against the Roman occupiers by any underhand means possible. Meanwhile, a tax collector might be called a collaborator, working for the Romans. What a sense of humour Jesus had, putting those two together in a group. He put them together. He expected them to get on. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> Marvellous. But unfortunately, it's difficult, isn't it? Different backgrounds, ideals, expectations, wants, needs, tolerances, politics. Do we actually need to put some compassion glasses on and look at each other with more of Jesus' style of compassion and put love into action? 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Whatever gift you have received to serve others, not to make yourself feel better. Compassion is love in action. So what gift have you received that you can use to serve others? Is there a relationship within the kingdom of God that you know in your heart you need to address with a little bit more compassion? In my family, we were given a gift that you might not, uh, you certainly wouldn't consider to be a gift, that came down through the generations, and it was the gift of criticism. It's a funny thing, but these negative things sometimes come down through families, have you noticed? Sometimes bullies make bullies make bullies make bullies, or abuse happens and abuse, abusers make more abusers make more abusers. These negative, it's almost, I suppose you might call it a spirit that comes down through a family. In my family, it was the spirit of criticism. It was very, very hard constantly to feel that nothing was ever quite good enough, that nothing was ever quite right, that I needed to try harder. My mum was a wonderful woman, and I don't, I'm not going to dishonour her. She was fantastic and so strong. And I realise now that a lot of the times we were clashing when I was a teenager was because I'm more like her than I was ever prepared to admit. However, I realised I had a, one of those Holy Spirit moments of utter horror and realisation in my life. 10 or 15 years ago, that I had inherited this spirit of criticism 
and that I was busy using it in my own family and in my own relationships. And it was destructive. And I recognized where it had come from. So I prayed and I broke the power of that spirit of criticism over me and over my life. It was John Andrews who came and preached here and he talked about if there's something negative happening, you use the opposite spirit, don't you? So true. And I'm a testament to that because instead of a spirit of criticism, I was given a spirit of encouragement. And that's how I choose to direct my attention now to my family and to the outside world, is I, am, I have taken on the role of an encourager. I've broken that power of that criticism. And with the result, I was able to look with compassionate glance glasses at that relationship with my mum. And I realised that she was born 1925. 1930, the depression started. They had to leave everything and move to Ireland. She left everything behind. Also, a daughter to Victorian parents, she felt that she, that she witnessed the fact that her brother was given more advantage and more favour than the daughters were because sons were more important then. And so for her, her children were the focus of her ambition. Now, because I started to understand where that criticism and that drive was coming from, it took the power away from it. I could look at it with compassionate eyes. She lived through war years and rationing and struggle. This was her backstory. Sometimes we need to recognise that our church is made of people who all have a backstory. We might not know it. It's not our position to know it. It's our position to love. And to look with compassionate glasses. So the second point is to do with compassion towards newcomers. We thought about compassion in our church. Compassion towards newcomers. Now this is tricky because We've got nobody coming into church at the minute. <laughs> but let's look at it from this point of view. We have neighbours on our street. We have people outside who we are now coming into contact with, one way, shape or form. How are we going to show Jesus compassion to them? Are we going to greet them with fear? With judgment? with worry, with misunderstanding, how would Jesus do it? He didn't look at the outside of people. He saw the people. He saw the need. He was filled with compassion and loved on them, as Wayne and Claire would say, that lovely expression. So how are we going to do that in these days? Have a think about your neighbours and the people that don't, as a rule, come into our church. Or maybe when we're back together as a community, the people that will come through the door. Have you 
ever considered, what about if somebody comes or you encounter somebody who isn't like you? How are you going to speak to them? How are you going to love on them? How are you going to show that you're the hands and feet of Jesus and show the compassion, the love that leads to action? What about if you meet somebody or who comes through the door who's clearly struggling with something like addictions? It's scary. But you know, out there in the world, they're the people that are sidelined and ignored and brushed away and not responded to. And here in the body of Christ, we want to be different, don't we? We want to show Christ's compassion. So our mission statement, whatever your story, you're welcome here. We have to show that as Christ's hands and feet in our community. Whatever your story, we have compassion for you. We will help you. It may be that you come across somebody or who comes in who is obviously struggling with their gender identity, for example, hot potato of the moment. How are you going to approach that person? Society ridicules, misunderstands, judges. I think Jesus would just love. It's not up to us to express opinions about it because we just don't know enough about the whole issue. It doesn't matter what you might think about that whole side of things. We just need to show compassion, the love that leads to action. What do they need? Maybe they just need to feel that they're seen and loved. When I was first a teacher, um, I had in my class a very interesting child, you would say, at parents' evening. He was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> really difficult and really challenging in his behaviour in the classroom. And uh, I struggled every day with knowing how to, how to respond, how to discipline, how to change the behaviour. And it was a rancorous relationship between us. He would wind me up more. And then I discovered the backstory that actually he had a really chaotic home life, that he had no structure at all at home. He was up at night watching horror films, and it was just, you know, horrible. And when you start to realise where a person is coming from, it changes how you see them. It gives you compassionate glasses. Now, we're not privy to everybody's backstory, but we have to use the compassionate glasses. And the third aspect, we've talked about compassion in our church, compassion to outsiders. The third one might be a bit tricky. And it is for me. <laughs> this is about compassion towards ourselves. 
Pastor Andrew mentioned this just a couple of weeks ago. Matthew 19, 19. Honour your father and mother. I'm interested it doesn't say anything about the fourth Sunday of Lent, actually. It just says, you know, this is an ongoing thing. You honour your father and mother every day. And you love your neighbour as you love yourself. You love your neighbour as yourself. Gosh, this is something that some of us in the world find really hard to do. So I'm going to ask you very, very kindly and with a huge amount of love, what is your inner voice like? Is it a critical voice? Does this need to change? And do you, in fact, need to show yourself more compassion? I'll give you the picture of the prodigal son and the father, Luke 15, 20. So the son, you know the story. He's messed up and he's been away and comes to the realisation that he's messed up and he's coming back. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The love that leads to action. Have you taken on board that this is how God feels about you? That he's looking for you down the road. And the slightest move back towards him and he'll be there. Filled with compassion. Welcoming you home. Embracing you back into the fold, back under the wings, into that environment that's best for you to enable growth and where you will be protected. Have you taken that on board? Jesus wants us sheltering in intimate relationship with him. His father is on the lookout for, for us, turning towards him, ready to come running. Just let that sit with you. Will you pray with me, please? Our church says, whatever your story, you're welcome here. That's what Jesus says to us. That's what Jesus says to you. Whatever your story, you're welcome. And he says, come to me, all who are labour, who are who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What are you heavy laden with? Where do you need to speak to yourself with more compassion? Where do you need to speak to neighbours and people you don't know with more compassion? Where do you need to speak to brothers and sisters in Christ with more compassion?
Lord Jesus, in these strange days of being separated across the region, we thank you that in fact we are now hundreds of little churches. And where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are there. You're with us all now. Thank you for your demonstration of complete compassion, the love that leads to action in your death on the cross. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just prompt our hearts, you would speak to us now <coughs> about any area of our lives that we need to address in these quiet days at home. And we ask too that those of us who are able are given opportunities in these next few days and weeks to be Jesus' hands and feet in our community and to show compassion. Thank you, Lord, and all these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>